Hello and welcome to A View from the Bench, a podcast about my experiences and perceptions in the courtroom dealing with the trial of major cases over a legal career spanning almost five decades. I'm your host, Albert McKegg, and today we will be talking about some of the dangers a trial judge can face from time to time based on his or her rulings on high-profile cases. Before we get started, and because I still sit as a senior state district judge, I have to do the disclosure routine as usual. Apologies for that, but it's a necessary obstacle to overcome. In these episodes, I will not be giving a legal opinion on the law, but merely my impression of how certain laws fit certain fact situations. Also, nothing said in this podcast is intended to show or predict how I will rule on either current or future cases. The Judicial Code of Ethics prohibits my commenting on cases pending in my court or criticizing the actions of other trial judges. All cases that I discussed have been disposed of and I no longer have jurisdiction or authority over those cases. With those disclosures out of the way, let's talk about a view from the bench. Over my roughly 15 years as a trial judge, I've had at least 13 credible threats made against me by defendants and parties to cases. I'll give you just a few in this episode. There has been literally dozens of instances where someone has popped off or said something that sounded like a threat, but most of those were just hot air and anger. Some of them were not as serious as others, but a few threats have been very real and very serious. I'm not easily intimidated, and I say that not as some kind of hollow boasting. Most of you don't know that in some of my time in the Army, I was basically a bodyguard to a general officer. This was during the time the Red Brigade was active in Germany, bombing, kidnapping, and basically terrorizing public officials and high-level military officers in several European countries. You might want to just Google the Red Brigade to see what it was all about. The technical term for my job was aide-de-camp to the commanding general of the 1st Armored Division. I was a combination executive assistant, traveling companion, and bodyguard in charge of the general's security detail and travels. We traveled around in an armored car. I carried a pistol everywhere I went, and I had a submachine gun under the seat. During my time doing that, two of the general officers in Germany were attacked, one with a car bomb and one with a rocket-propelled grenade, or RPG as we called them. Fortunately, neither general was injured in the attacks. I give you that and the fact that I also hold a black belt in Taekwondo and have Hapkido training not to boast about being tough because I'm not so tough anymore, but to let you know that I wasn't particularly intimidated by the threats being made and I figured that the bad guys better make them good on their first try or there would be return fire and retaliation from me. I guess you have to have an attitude like that to stand up to the thugs of the world. The first threat I'll talk about happened in a high-vis divorce case in another county. Due to the nature of the case, the local judges recused themselves, and I was assigned to handle the case. On the day in question, I'd taken my court coordinator with us to help out in court. My court reporter actually lived closer to the courthouse than to mine, so she drove herself. 
The hearing that day was long and complicated and lasted all day except for our lunch break. The courthouse was actually closed by the time we were done with the hearings, and my coordinator and I packed up and left the courtroom, walking down a mostly empty hallway headed for the bank of elevators. As we waited for the lift, a young man approached with a very belligerent demeanor and attitude. I could see that as he approached, and I could see that he was ready for some kind of a confrontation as he walked up. He got right up in my face, literally inches away from my face, and told me in a very low, growling voice that he knew where I lived, he knew about my family, and he knew about where he could find me. Now, my coordinator had known me for about 25 years at this point, knew my background, and knew what was about to happen. As I carefully moved my right foot back, and slowly raised my left hand up, palm toward the man, my coordinator stepped back out of the zone of action. Those moves on my part are preparatory moves for an attack, and I knew that if this guy took the first punch at me, I was going to be in trouble. He was about 25 years younger than me, very fit-looking, and appeared to be very capable." I was mentally and very quickly working through my first three Hapkido moves on how I was going to take him down while I told him very calmly that he really needed to back off. He stared at me for a few more seconds, made a couple of more threats, and I was literally about to launch on him when he backed off and told me he would find me later. I breathed a deep sigh of relief, but I think he saw something in my eye that told him I wasn't very intimidated and I wasn't going to back down. Well, at least I put on a good good show of it. I'd been licensed to carry a handgun for some time up until that point, but had not done so that day due to being in a strange courthouse. Well, that changed, as you can well imagine. Fortunately, when I told the lawyers what had happened, the woman's attorney a former police officer told me he would take care of it, and he did apparently, and the case eventually settled. On another occasion, I was handling a major drug case. A very large quantity of drugs had been located by a traffic stop as the drugs were being transported through my county, and three men were arrested, all of them Mexican nationals in the U.S. illegally. I signed a couple of search warrants on their vehicle as well as on their cell phone, so these guys had my name and position from the paperwork they received. Apparently, they were affiliated with one of the minor drug cartels in Mexico, and one of them got on the phone in the jail and was discussing taking out a hit on me. Seems I was only worth about $50,000 at the time, which is kind of disappointing. Well, phone calls and jails are recorded, and there are big signs on all the phones that all cards calls would be recorded. Apparently, the guy didn't read or couldn't read the signs, and the recordings were turned over to the Texas Rangers, and they handled the matter from there. Eventually, those three were sentenced to major prison terms, and I haven't heard anything more about it, and that's been a number of years ago, so perhaps I'm in the clear on that one. The last case for today was also a drug case. Those cases always seem to draw the violence. Investigators with an interagency drug task force had been working for several months, working up the chain of a major drug distribution network. They busted some street pushers who in turn flipped on their suppliers, and the suppliers turned on upstream dealers. And the investigators were on to an area-wide distributor who ran a bunch of lower dealers. I'd been signing the various search warrants during the investigation, and once again, this area-wide distributor got my name and information from the paperwork. 
You'd think that we'd come up with a better system than that, but it is what it is. And once again, using a jail telephone that was clearly marked, he was heard discussing hiring a guy to place a car bomb in my truck. Once again, Texas Rangers were involved and took down the alleged bomber and filed charges on the dealer. The dealer eventually went to prison, and I was able to sentence him to 40 years for his trouble. To this day, I still use the remote start feature on my truck. We live in a society that is open, and the court officials and staff are just folks living out among the population. We don't have guards around our homes, and most judges can be found with just a little bit of effort. Just a few years ago, Judge Julie Kucerich of Austin was nearly assassinated in her driveway of her home by a disgruntled person from her court. She was badly injured, and it took many, many months for her to recover and return to the bench. The threats are real and the risk can be great, but I wouldn't trade this job for any other. So thank you all for allowing me the privilege of being a Texas State District Judge and now a Senior District Judge. Well, I'll see you next time right here. Until then, may God bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. 